Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our new weekly Soul of the Parsha class. Uh, today's a special class. We commemorated today and yesterday the Hasidic festival of Yutet Kislev, which is really also Yutet and Kaf Kislev, the 19th and the 20th. Uh, the day celebrating really two events. Uh, the first event is the passing of the Magid of Mezrich, who was the student and uh, and who inherited the heading of the movement of Hasidut from the Baal Shem Tov, second generation of Hasidut. As he passed away on 19th Kislev, uh, 248 years ago. And then the second event, 26 years later, is of course the release from prison of his student, the Alter Rebbe of Chabad, the Baal Atanya, Rebbe Shner Zalman of Ladi, uh, which really was a signal for all the Hasidim that they can spread uh, this new light, new inner dimension of the Torah everywhere. Uh, so it's a very festive Hasidic holiday and it's considered the New Year of Hasidut. And of course, we're in a different time today because we'll be followed by a class from Rabbi Ginsburg, a special class in English, and then another one in Hebrew. Uh, so it's it's very a very happy and special day. And but also, this is a soul of the parsha class. So we want to talk about this parsha, which is Parshat Vayeshev. And as always, this year we're focusing on the first Aliyah, the first segment of the parsha. And our topic for today is we want to understand setbacks. Why are we held back when things that we want to happen on time, that we want to happen quickly, that we're absolutely sure that everything is ripe for for change, for something new to happen, and yet it doesn't happen. It takes, takes time, takes a lot of time and sometimes years, and sometimes decades, and we don't know why all the setbacks. And we can put it all under a, a, an even bigger question, which is why isn't redemption, why isn't Mashiach coming now? We want Mashiach now, goes the Chabad song. We all wish that everything would turn out for the best right now, and that's what we wish ourselves and others and everyone, because we're very optimistic and we, you know, greedy, we, we, we uh, bless each other with saying that we should have Yeshuat Hashem Keheref Ein, that God's redemption should come in the blink of an eye, that it should happen in no time, in no time at all. That's the optimistic way of looking at things. However, realistically, not always, it ha- does it happen that way. And we often, very often, experience constant setbacks and things taking their time, and sometimes a lot of time. So that's the question we want to, to open today. And it really starts at the very, very first verse of the Parsha. And the, ver- the first verse uh, says, And Yaakov dwelled, or set, or lingered, Vayeshev, that's the name of the Parsha. Vayeshev means to sit, but here we're talking about sitting, uh, s- settling in meaning it takes a lot of time. Yaakov settled in the land of the dwellings of his father in the land of Canaan. So the Magid of Mezrich, whose Yorzite we celebrated yesterday, the 19th day of Kislev, he has a very famous interpretation for this. 
And he says there is a, a sort of contradiction or inner tension in this verse. On the one hand, uh, we're, we're, the description of the land where Yaakov is staying is called the dwelling place of his father. In Hebrew, it's Megurei Aviv. And the particular word used for dwelling place, Megurim, suggests temporality, something that's temporary, that's transient. A ger is someone who doesn't belong and is only temporarily staying in a certain place, but is a foreigner and at some point they wish to return or they see themselves as this is some temporary solution, as opposed to an ezrach. Ezrach is like a citizen, he's here to stay, but a ger is only passing through. So the, the, this land is considered Megurei Aviv, a, a temporary dwelling place. However, the first word of the parsha, and and the and the verb that's used here, is um, Vayeshev, and Vayeshev means to uh, to settle, to stay for a long time. So the, the question the Magid asks is why, and really we're talking about this world, as always in these verses, we want to expand the meaning and deepen the meaning. So the idea is that this world is a, is a transient place, it's a fleeting place. This entire world is bound in the dimension of time, and, and it's all, everything you see, everything around you, it's all fleeting, it's all passing. So why did Yaakov decide to linger and settle in such a temporary place, which is this world? That's the question the, the Magid asks. And, and we'll get to his answer uh, at the very end, but we want to pose the question. And so the, this question, this verse, talks about Yaakov. But of course Yaakov here is not, no longer the protagonist of these parashot, from here until the end of Genesis. The, the, the new protagonist, the torch is being uh, given, is being handed, to Yosef. Yosef is now the protagonist. The parsha starts with Yaakov, but it's really a, a passing of the mantle. And, um, and, and indeed, we can say that Yosef inherits this um, um, this um, uh, challenge. The challenge of being forced as an eternal soul to dwell in a transient place bound by time, in which things things take their long time, and he inherits this challenge. And we can even g- g- suggest a new interpretation for why Yosef is called Ben Zkunim. Ben Zkunim is the child you have when you're old. He usually used that term for the youngest child of the family. I was the youngest ch- child of the family, and my father kept referring to me when I was very young, this is my Ben Zkunim. And the, the origin of this term is here. But the thing is, Yosef isn't the youngest son. Yosef is the one before the youngest son. The youngest son is Binyamin. So it's very strange to refer to him as Ben Zkunim, because he's not... Well, Yaakov was old when he, when he gave birth, when, when Yosef was born. But he was even older when Binyamin was born. So Binyamin should be really the, the son that, you know, encapsulates the Yaakov's old age, or the progeny that he had in his old age. So we can, we can give another interpretation. The reason Yosef is called Ben Zkunim is that he inherits the challenge of growing old in this world 
puzzling over the fact that things take such a long time. Because again, as a soul, the soul is above time. The soul is, is if, 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 the, if, if it was up to the soul, things would take place in one instant. Nothing would take any time. So the soul has to confront the fact that in this world, you have to wait. You have to spend time in bus stations and train stations, and you have to wait for redemption, for the Mashiach, for everything that's happening to, 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 to happen. So Ben's Kunim is to inherit the challenge of aging and, and time passing. So this is what I want to figure out. It starts with Yaakov, is followed by Yosef, and, and this is the challenge I want to figure out today. And now the thing is this, we, we, we said that really ultimately the question is, why is Mashiach taking his time and not coming? Yosef is the father of one of the two Meshichim that we're waiting for. There are two Meshichim according to Jewish tradition. One is called the Mashiach ben Yosef, the Mashiach who's the descendant of Yosef. And the other one, the final one, is called Mashiach ben David, the Mashiach who's the descendant of King David. Actually, both of them, their story really begins in this very parsha. Parshat Vayeshev is the beginning of the story of Yosef. He was born a few parshas ago, but the story begins here, and it's a story of setbacks. It's a story of him, and it takes a long time for him to be discovered. He's unappreciated by his brothers, by his family, and he's going to go through a lot of trials and tribulations until finally, many years into the future, he's going to be revealed as an actual savior. And the other messianic story that begins in this parsha is a little bit later on, is the story of Tamar and Yehuda. And again, a story takes a lot of time, and you have two husbands dying, and then the third husband is also taking his time, he needs to grow up, and then she realizes she can't wait, and she rushes things up, and from this strange and, and mysterious union, Peretz is born, and Peretz is Again, the father, David, King David, is descended from this uh, special union of Tamar and Yehuda, which gives birth to Peretz and so on. So, and it has to do with one another because as Yosef is going into Egypt, and this is really the beginning of the exile, the Egypt, the our, our exile into Egypt. It all begins now. Um, so, the God has to start also. Uh, putting into motion the messianic process of redemption. So the two Meshichim, the two Messiahs of Judaism, their story begins here, and and for both of them, it's a very long story. It's a long story. Not only is it long, because with still Mashiach, neither of them has arrived, it's also long in the Pshat of the story. It would take 22 years for the brothers to acknowledge Yosef as their actual savior. He actually saves them from the hunger in Eretz Israel and gives them bread. And it's going to take many more generations for King David to actually be born. He's also a savior. He saves the kingdom of, of, of Israel from the, all their wars. Um, all of this is going to take a lot of time. So there's obviously a deep connection between the messianic vision of Judaism, the vision of redemption, and things taking their time, 
And also, again, the trials and tribulations all these messiahs have to go through. So it's Yosef on the one, on the one hand, it's Tamar on the other hand. It's all told in this parsha how they have to, they're constantly being held back, set back, sit and wait. You have to wait in a dark pit, you have to wait in a prison, you have to wait for, for more years to pass until your brothers come to you in the, in the Egyptian palace. Same goes for Tamar. Yehuda tells her now you have to wait in your, uh, in your father's home. And so this is the main motif here of the messianic stories. And in this segment, in the beginning of this parsha, we see that it has a lot to do with dreams. Why do Yosef's brothers disbelieve him? Why don't they recognize him as being superior to them spiritually? As being, why don't they understand that their father loving him over them is not um, some egoistic thing? It's something deeper. It, it really does reflect that he has a certain quality that they don't have. And why don't they believe him? Why don't they believe his dreams? So, it's very simple. They think that his dreams are a reflection of his subconscious. That it's all just his wishful thinking. That's what they think. They don't acknowledge the possibility that it's not coming from his subconscious, it's coming from what we call his superconscious. A superconscious dream is a, is a real dream. A subconscious dream is just a reflection of your own wish fulfillment. And they're ultimately going to realize that his dreams were prophetic, that they did come from the superconscious. But it's going to take 22 years, 22 years and a lot of suffering on Yosef's behalf. And the, the question becomes much more potent when we compare the, the slowness of the coming to uh, fulfillment of Yosef's dreams with the rapidity of the coming into fulfillment of Pharaoh's dreams in the next parsha. The next parsha echoes this parsha. We have King Pharaoh dreaming two dreams that are a little bit different, but they, they mean the same. Yosef has two dreams. One dream, he dreams that it's the uh, stacks of hay that are all bowing to his stack, or not stack, it's aluma, I don't know the exact word, but they're all bowing. And then the next dream is about the stars bowing to him. And, and, and it's all true, but it's going to take a lot of time for it to be fulfilled. Next parasha, Pharaoh, next parasha begins with the word miketz. Miketz means at the end. It's really the end of the beginning of, of the many, many years that, uh, that Yosef has to go through. And it starts, from, from then on, things start rushing, also for Yosef. And it's going to lead to the fulfillment of his own dreams. But for, for Pharaoh, it's extremely quickly. He has two dreams in one night, that's already quicker. Because for Yosef, it wasn't one night, because he had, he had a time to tell his brothers. And which only, of course, caused them to increase their hatred and jealousy for him. That's also another thing that's going on here is that as time goes on, as time is added, Yosef means to add. So things are added all the time. So he tells them about the first dream, right? The first dream is there. 
And then he tells them, and then it says the Vayosifulisnoto, and they they hated him even more. Everything he tells them, he he does add things, but it it only adds things negatively. They hate him more, they disbelieve him more. He has a second dream, some other night, tells them, and again they, they're jealous of him. And they, their jealousy is added to. And all these additions that happen are all very negative. And so for Pharaoh, the two dreams happen in one night. He wakes up, goes to sleep, same night. He, has, he doesn't tell anyone, he doesn't have a chance, it's the middle of the night. And then he has the second dream. And then, of course, it's the minister of, uh, of, of, uh, of wine who remembers Joseph. And then Joseph is harried. He's brought very quickly. And they quickly change his clothes because it's the king. Everything happens very, very quickly. The two dreams happen one after the other. The moment he wakes up, he tells his ministers. Then the minister of wine, of the of pouring the wine, he remembers Joseph. Joseph is hurried, hurried out of the prison. And he hears the dreams and immediately has the answer. And he tells them, and he tells Pharaoh, the reason you had the dream twice is because, um, I'm going to sit in Hebrew and then translate, he says, The reason the, the dream repeated itself twice means that this is truly a true dream. God is, is, is adamant about making this dream come true. And God is in a hurry to fulfill this dream. If it was just one dream, then, then who knows when it's going to happen. But now that you had the dream twice, that means that the, this 14-year cycle of seven years of, of plenty and then seven years of hunger, it's starting now. And this is the time to prepare. And everything is in a hurry. So that's a very, very serious riddle. Why does Pharaoh, this evil king, Egyptian, non-Jewish evil king, merit to have his dreams fulfilled? Everything The dreams happen quickly, and the interpretation happens quickly, and the and it's immediately starting. And Yosef, who's the future, you know, the the root of what the, the one of the two Meshichim, the two messiahs of Judaism, and the chosen son in the sense that he is the son chosen to be the savior of everything, everyone else in the family, and the one destined to be almost king in Egypt. Uh, why does it, for him, it takes so long. So, w- when I just quoted the verse that Yosef tells Pharaoh that God is adamant about having this dream fulfilled and he's, and he's in a hurry to fulfill it, the, the name, God, of course, has many, many names, and there are two main names. One is Elohim, which is a lower name, and it's more bound up with space and time, with nature. Elohim has the same numerical value as Hateva, nature. And the other name is Havaya. Havaya is a name that is God's, so to speak, uh, first name. And it's a higher name. And it's a name that's not bound up in space and time. It's because out of the name you can make up the words Haya, Hovei, Hie, was, is, will be. So it's always the explanation that the name Havaya, the higher, more intimate, more uh, 
that refers to the essence of, of, of godliness, that is above time, and Elohim is within time. So the word used referring to Pharaoh's dreams are Elohim. The name has to do with time, with time and space, with nature, with this world. But it was the faster dream. And then we can assume that Joseph's dreams, who it wasn't said that they came from name Elohim, they must have come from name Havaya. Now there's something interesting about those two, uh, those two names. Uh, also, we know, by the way, later on, Pharaoh would say, Mi Havaya. Later, when he's confronted by Moses, later on in, in Exodus, when he's confronted by Moses, he says, who is, and then he says God's higher Havaya name, the Tetragrammaton. He says, who is he? I don't know. I, I do know about Elohim. Elohim, the, the, the idol worshippers of the world, they do acknowledge the, what this name stands for partially, but they don't acknowledge the God's essential name, the, the Tetragrammaton. So it's very clear that Pharaoh has no connection to this name. He does have a connection to the lower name. So now, there's something paradoxical about these two names. On the one hand, Havaya is above time. And Elohim is within time. But here we see it's the opposite. Pharaoh, who has a dream that comes from Shem Elohim, everything happens in no time. And for Yosef, whose dreams come from Havaya, it takes a lot of time. So the explanation, there, there, we need to go through some stages. But the first explanation is that indeed, precisely because uh, Shem Havaya, the essential name, is above time, it's reflected in this world in things taking their time, in having patience. When you are above time, you have more patience than if you're within time. If you're within time, Shemilokim is about time, but it's about rushing things in time. Shemilokim is the name that appears in the creation of the world. When the world is created, it's created very rapidly, six days. If you're a modern physicist or a biologist, you would think it has to take billions and millions of years, depends which process you're talking about. But either way, it can't be thousands. Thousands, it can be days for sure, because it's, it's too fast. So nature, as we see it, is very slow. But the name Elohim, Elohim is, equals nature, but it's, it's, of course, it's higher than nature, is being in nature, but rushing things in nature. Elohim has to do with going quickly. But Havaya has to do with being above time, but also whilst being in time, having patience. The name Havaya is associated with the 13 attributes of mercy. And the first of them is Erech Apaim. It says Havaya, Havaya, twice the name of the essential name. And then the first thing said is Erech Apaim. He has long, a long breath. He can breathe in and out. He has time. He has all the time in the world. You can think about it this way. When you have all the time in the world, you're patient. When you feel that your time is limited, then you want to rush things through. So that's the first, let's call it the first stage uh, explanation. That Pharaoh is bound by time 
And his dreams come from the name of God that's also bound in time. And be, because his time is limited, it needs to be rushed. But if you're connected to the God's essential name, Havaya, which is above time, then spiritually you have all the time in the world, and then things can take their time. They don't need to be rushed. It's paradoxical, but it's let, let's go with this. In a minute, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll show you a, a something a, a better explanation of this. But this is like first stage explanation. There's a famous Hebrew poem written by the, one of the greatest poets of the Hebrew language of all time, Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, medieval poet and philosopher and thinker and Kabbalist. And he has a very short poem. It's four. Uh, sentences long and I'm going to read it in Hebrew as all poems it's ultimately you can't translate it as beautifully as the, as the original and I didn't try to do a poetic uh, inter, uh, translation so I'm going to uh, to do my best so the first two ver the first two lines go like this Avdei Zman Avdei Avadimhim those who are slaves to time are slaves of slaves, right? Meaning, the dimension of time is itself a slave, a servant of God. It's one of the, it's it's something created. Bereshit in the beginning is the is the creation of time. So time is not a creator; it's created. It's part of creation. If you're a slave of time, if you feel totally bound up by time, that everything in about your existence has to do with how much time you have, how you make use of your time, and how everything passes, and everything passes away, you know, and you have to grab every moment. You're a slave of a slave. You serve the servant instead of serving God. Second line, Eved Hashem hu levad chofshi. Only the slave of God or the servant of God is truly free. A totally, apparently, paradoxical line but of course, the idea is that it's not paradoxical at all. Either way, you're a slave. If you're a slave of time, you're just a slave of another slave. But if you're a slave to the true master, the creator of time, who is above time, uh, and here the word used for God is the name Adnut, uh, but that name is used because we can't pronounce God's essential name, we use this word. So we can, we can see it, we can read this poem as alluding to God's essential name. So if you're a slave to Havaya, you become free. If you're a slave of time, you're bound up by time, and you're a slave of a slave. I'll postpone for a minute the, the next two lines, we're going to read them later on. So really what we did, we did was, in a way, we started answering the question, but it also made the question even deeper. We started answering the question because we said that if you're connected to a place that's above time, then essentially your soul, we can say, has all the time in the world. And when you have all the time in the world, you're leisurely. So in a way, it's for Pharaoh, everything needs to happen very quickly because it's all about time and nothing more is expected of him. But if you're Yosef and you're, you have an a soul that's connected to eternity, then God doesn't mind, and ultimately you don't mind either, things taking their time.
because you're, you have faith in something that's above time. If you don't have faith, you can't stand things taking their time. But if you are connected to something timeless, you can withstand timeliness better than if you, you're not connected to something timeless. Right? I think now I was able to phrase it better than before. Now we want to connect all this to a very beautiful Torah from Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. Yutet Kislev is, a, is usually celebrated only in Chabad. Chabad call it the, the, the anniversary of Hasidut, the new year of Hasidut. But it sounds ironic because only Chabad, only one branch of Hasidut celebrates it. And the other branches don't. But, but still, because it's called the uh, new year of Hasidut, all of Hasidut, then we want to bring into the fold all of the Hasiduyot, all of the branches. So we want to bring Rabbi Nachman into the fold also of this holiday and of this, this class. So he has a beautiful Torah that put, brings together the concept of time and the concept of Mashiach and the concept of dream. Because here, as we said, the concept of dream is very crucial to the story. It started with, we're talking about dreams coming into fulfillment and taking their time. Pharaoh's dreams uh, versus Yosef's dreams. And we also know that the reason for all of this dream fulfillment to take so long, the simple reason, is that Joseph's brothers disbelieve his dreams. They think it's just regular dreams and, and not prophetic dreams. So we have a beautiful Torah that's really going to answer all our questions, which is Rabbi Nachman talking about dreams and time and the Mashiach. So it goes like this. Rabbi Nachman says, when you dream, your perception of time is very, very different than when you're awake. You can sometimes, your dream can take, in your dream, you experience the transition of a long period of time. And then he takes it to an extreme, and he says sometimes you can dream, a dream in which you experience that you go through 70 years. It's rare, but it happens. Definitely, we have a lot of dreams in which we, we're absolutely sure that days have passed. There's one day and another day, and things take their time, and, and then some dreams you can, you can think, you can feel that months pass. And then sometimes, very rarely, people have this experience that they feel that they spend years and decades in the dream world before they wake up. So Rabbi Nachman takes it to the extreme. He talks about dreams. Let's imagine someone having a dream uh, that he spent 70 years in the dream. Then he wakes up and he realizes that in real life, only 15, minute, 15, 15 minutes passed. That's the, that's the numbers he, de- he decides to use. We can talk about other numbers. There was a famous movie talking about dream time, and they had this, uh, their, their time frames were that five minutes of dream time, of sleeping time, give you an hour in the dream time. So here it's more extreme. You have 15 minutes of dream, of sleeping, of dreaming, gives you 70 years sometimes within the dream. So then Rabbi Nachman says the following. So someone dreams, 70 years pass, he wakes up, looks at the clock, and only 15, only 15 minutes passed. And, and then he tells us, you know, this could be also true of, 
of, of your life, of this life. You live your life for 70 years, and then you know, really, there's another level of you that's more awake than the conscious level that you have in this world. Just like when you're dreaming, you're in a lower state of consciousness. Your intellect, your rational thinking, your sense of being in control is completely lost. And, and, then, and then you can imagine that 70 years pass. Now he's telling you, I want to tell you something. Even your rational self that's awake, that has an objective perception of truth, that's, there's even a higher level of consciousness. Uh, compared to which, all the 70 years that you go through is just 15 minutes time of the higher level of your own soul. Right? There are levels of souls and levels of waking up. And he says, you don't know this, just as when you're dreaming, imagine that as you're dreaming, someone comes and tells you, you know, all this is really a dream, it's an illusion, everything you see, all this time that's passing, it's nothing, really you're just, you're just sleeping in your bed, and it's just a few minutes, you don't believe them, because you believe that the dream is true. So he says, Rabbi Nachman, same goes for your waking life. Your waking life is but a dream compared to the soul time. Your soul time travels in a totally different speed and exists in a totally different plane of reality. And all of your lifetime, 70 years, is just a fraction, just 15 minutes of your soul time. And if you're able to climb up and sort of wake up from the dream of this world, and you start connecting with that higher level, you can see, you can actually feel that all the 70 years, it, they're just a fraction of something much, much bigger. And, you know, we can even imagine this. Everyone can, as you're getting older, when you're younger, you can't, you can't experience this at all, because you feel that every year is so long. But as you grow older, time moves more quickly. And like five years is... Is you, you pass, and oh, it seemed like, you know, like a minute ago. It seems like five days ago. I can't believe five years have passed. And then as you grow older, you're able to sum up your life in a shorter way. And when you get really old, you can, people can come to you and tell you, I want you to give a TED talk. You have 15 minutes to talk about, to sum up your life. And it's not that big a problem as you grow older. As you grow older, it's easier to say, you want to give me 15 minutes to sum up my life, I can do it. The younger you are, the harder it seems. But the older you get, it's possible. Because you're able to recognize what's essential and what's not essential. And if you take all the essential moments of your life and you put them together, you really end up with 15 minutes. It's 15 moments of inspiration, of meaning, of, of things of, of consequence. And you can put them together and you, and you have a TED Talk of 15 minutes and you sum up your life. So the idea is, as we're getting older, we're really connecting to this higher level of our consciousness. That for, compared to which, all of this life is 70 years, but it's really, again, 15 years on the higher level. But then Rabbi Nachman doesn't stop there. He goes on, he says, but even there, it doesn't end there. There's a higher level. And even that soul that moved through things much, you know, in a different pace, and all the 70 years, just 15 minutes of that soul time, 
even that time, 70 years on that level, is 15 years of the next level. Because time becomes less and less consequential. And then it says you can go up and up, further and further up, until you get to the highest point. The highest point is where your soul connects to God. And God is above time. And in that point, all of, all of, hum, all of the history of humankind and of the world can be put into one instant. Because you're, you're out of time, you're released from time. You don't experience time at all. You can, you can think through the entire history of time in one moment. And then he says, this is how Mashiach experiences the world. He says, Mashiach is a, an eternal soul. Mashiach will come at the end of days and will mark the end of days. But Mashiach, the soul of Mashiach, has been around from the beginning of time. Because on the very second verse of the creation of the world, the very second verse of the Torah, it says the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. And the sages say it's the Spirit of Mashiach, it's the soul of Mashiach. It's hovering, touching and not touching, over the surface of the water, the surface of consciousness, regular consciousness of the world. The, the water itself is like the perception of time, and hovering above the water is like being above the perception of time. So Mashiach has been around from the very beginning of creation, before the creation of light, and is going to stick around till the end of days, because that's when he comes. We don't know when it's going to happen, but that's when he comes. So he says, Mashiach go through all of these millennia of trials and tribulations, and yet the, mo the day he comes, he'll be able to utter the verse from Zalms, from Tehillim, that King David, again the progenitor of the second Mashiach, is saying that God tells him, Bni Ata, you are my child, my son, I give birth to you today. Today you were born. The day you're coming, you're, you're revealed to the world. The coming of Mashiach is also the day that you were born. How can this be? Because for him, all of the history of mankind and, and the universe is just one day. It's one day for him. He's above time. And he was born today, the world was created today, and the world is redeemed today, and it's, it's all happening in one moment. That's, by the way, a, a new, very important explanation for another famous story, the story of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, who went all the way to Rome to meet the Mashiach, and asked him, when are you coming? And he found the Mashiach in the house of lepers. It's a famous story, it's another story for another time. But if you know the story, he meets the Mashiach, and he asks him, when are you coming? And Mashiach says, today. And then Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi reaches the conclusion that Mashiach lied to him. Because he says, he said today, the day passed, and it didn't come. So he was a liar. So Eliyahu Anavi, the prophet Elijah, tells him, no, no, you didn't understand his answer. He said, today if you heed his voice. And we didn't heed his voice, so he didn't come that day. And every day he's ready to come, it's up to us, that's the usual explanation. Now we have a new explanation. For the Mashiach, all of history is one day. So when he said, I'm coming today, he didn't lie. He is coming today in his time. In our regular perception of time, uh, years and centuries and millennia pass, and we still don't experience him. So the idea is, again, that according to this Rabbi Nachman's 
Torah is that levels of consciousness, as you climb up the ladder of levels of consciousness, you perceive time differently, and time becomes, everything becomes more instantaneous because you're really above time, and everything that seemed to take a lot of time down there appears to happen in no time, until at the ultimate level, you're absolutely free from time, and you can see all of the history of the world as happening in one instant, so to speak. So, uh, the, now we can get a, a kind of new answer. Pharaoh is a slave of time, and he exists within time, and he it's completely unopened to him, the possibility, or at least in that time it was unopened, maybe today it's changing, but for someone like Pharaoh, uh, it was impossible to transcend the notion of time, and therefore it's absolutely not expected of him. So God gives him the dreams rapidly, and the solution rapidly, and the fulfillment rapidly. It all happens very, very quickly. No one expects him to be able to perceive that things may take a lot of time, but really it's, it's no time at all. Or to have an understanding of how to make use of the time in which he's being set back. And he can't figure out time, so for him it rushes. Same, by the way, goes for, yeah, we, start, we said in the beginning that it all starts with Yaakov. Yaakov and Esav, when they meet, previous parasha, they meet after many, many years, and they hug, and they make peace, and then Esav tells Yaakov, come join me, my brother, now that we're, we're good friends, come and join me, let's go together. And what does Yaakov tell him? He says, no, 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 you run along with your family, but I'm going to take my time um, I move slowly through time. It's I have a different pace. I like to take things slowly. You, for you, it's okay to rush. You can r- go ahead, run, run ahead. I'm going to move more slowly because I need to take every step at a time and I need to do something in each and every moment. I don't see it as a waste of time. I don't see it as time just being, as you know, I'm waiting in a train station. I'm doing something every moment of the time because I have, my soul is connected to a place above time in which I have all the time in the world. And therefore I can take the setback. I can take the fact that God is telling me, no, 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 move more slowly. Now you have to limp. Right, Yaakov is limping then. You have to limp. You have to wait some more time. Yeah, God is telling Yosef, now you have to be in a pit and wait for the Ismailites to, to, to take you to Egypt. Now you have to wait. Uh, in prison for two years. And now you have to wait for seven years and then two more years until everything, and 22 years until your dreams. You have to wait all the time and, and Yosef can take it. Pharaoh can't take it. Yosef can take it because he's exper- he doesn't experience the setback as, oof, no, come on, when am, when am I going to come out? Because he knows that it's, it's really, it's, it's an illusion in many ways. And the reason is here is that there's something to do in each and every moment. So now, now we can really make the connection that I'm, I'm trying to get to. The idea, so first, we have two things. First, as you climb up the ladder of consciousness, and you can feel how everything in this world is transient, and you can connect to some place above time, then it becomes easier for you to take the setbacks and the 
and you know the the stop signs and the slow down signs that the world is presenting you with uh, because you're free from the uh, feeling that everything is dependent on things happening now. It's all now, so the actual now can be later on because the now is always now. Mashiach is always here. I'm connected to the messianic point. Right? The idea, again, is that the point in each and every one of us that's above time is the messianic point within each and every one of us. So now the idea is this. The idea is that the word today, I give birth to you today, Mashiach is coming today, has two meanings. One meaning has to do with the highest level in which everything is today. The entire history of the universe is one day, so it's all today. The second meaning is the, simple, the simpler meaning. The simpler meaning is that what I all I have is this moment. I have this moment, today, now. And the idea is that the two meanings are absolutely connected. Now I want you to imagine a kind of diagram. I don't have the, drag, the diagram, but you, you can imagine it's a very simple diagram. Take a point. You can put it in the middle of the page. You have a point. That point is beyond and above space and time. It's nothing to do with space and time, just like a point. It's no dimensions at all. Now you make a small circle uh, around that point. And you can imagine this is a day. Now take two little two points that are very, very, that have tiny distance between them on this circle. And you can say, let's say this is a quarter of an hour out of that day. Right? The time is, the, the point is no time. The small circle you did, that's like a day for the highest level of your, or the almost highest level of your soul. And then a fraction of this circle is a quarter of an hour. Okay? Now you draw another circle, a bigger circle. And if you take two lines from the center and you pass them through this fraction, right, this little triangle that you got, you got a triangle, because that, that, that is, it's like a slice of a cake, a small slice, and this is a quarter of an hour out of the day. But you, ex you carry those lines on, you carry them further on, and you see that on the bigger circle, they create a longer, they, the slice becomes bigger, right? And as you're adding circles, those two lines go further and further apart, and the slices become bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is an image of the, the smaller the circle is, it's a higher level of consciousness. The bigger the circle is, it's a lower level of consciousness. So a law, a big segment of the of a of the biggest circle, that's like seventy years. It's all it's like only like uh, fifteen minutes from or a, a smaller section of the other circle. And and as you progress, you get to one point, and then there's it's no it's no segment at all because it's it's no longer a circle; it's just one point. But now the thing is this. We're living, we're living our lives on the biggest circle. Things take a lot of time. Mashiach isn't coming. We have to wait 22 years for a dream to be fulfilled, sometimes more. And people don't believe us and people don't appreciate us. And we don't understand things. It's going to take, it's going to take, a, lot, uh, it's going to take us a lot of time to understand them and to actualize them. And we have to take a long, long time to walk around this huge circle. However, in each and every moment, you can draw a line from where you are in that moment all the way to the center 
and it passes through all the other circles. Right? If I'm, if I'm dreaming that I'm spending 70 years in the dream, but really I'm just 15 minutes in my bed, it, 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 it's a, no comparing the lengths of time. But each and every moment of those 70 years corresponds to a certain fraction of an instant in those 15 minutes. So the spokes of this wheel that we just imagined, they go through the, the moment, this moment, each moment is in time is connected all the way to the highest level. So we can connect to the today of the Mashiach, which is the entirety of time in one moment, in each and every moment. Because each and every moment you can create a spoke in the wheel that goes all the way to the center. It doesn't matter how big the wheel is. It doesn't matter how long it takes to get from this point to the other point, because now I can connect to the center of the circle. To get to the other side of the big circle, it's going to take me maybe half a lifetime, maybe a whole lifetime. But to connect to the center of the, of the wheel, this I can do right now. So the idea is this. If you're a slave of time, you don't have the spokes. You're trapped in the circle, and so God has mercy over the pharaohs and the asavs of this world. So they get to have it because he, 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 he has, it's God's compassion. They can't connect to the center of the wheel. They don't have the spokes. They have to go through time. So I'm going to rush things up for them. But for those who can connect to the center of the wheel, I want them to take their time. I want them to go through life slowly. And every time that they feel that, why is it taking so long? All they need to do is close their eyes and look upwards and, and, and you know, create an, another land that's perpendicular to the, the, the regular dimension of life. It goes all the way to the center, to the root of my soul, to God. And, and there I, I can experience eternity right now. And I don't need to go through all the circle or to go up all these circles or anything like this to get to the center. And so God delays them. Vayeshev. He sets them back. He tells them, I want you to have to, I want things to take time for you. And now we're going, we're going to go back to the Torah of the Magid. Because we said that he brought this up regarding Yaakov and he didn't go into the entire parsha. I just went to the first line. Why is Yaakov, who is an eternal soul, spends his time in Eretz Megure, the, the temporary dwelling place of his father, uh, and is and, and settles there? Vayeshev. So then he takes the word Megurim. We said Megurim is a temporary dwelling place. But it also means two more words in Hebrew. It means fear, awe, Magor in Hebrew. So Megurei Aviv is fear of the Father, that is, fear of God, awe of God. And the other word, the other meaning of the word Megurei has to do with collecting. Right? There's a verse that says, Oger Bakaitz ben Maskila, the good son um, spends the summertime gathering everything that he harvests so that it's going to serve him during the winter. Le'egor is to collect. So the explanation the Magid says, which we can now also apply to Yosef, is that the reason God delays redemption and delays the fulfillment of our dreams in this life 
is that he what he enjoys uh, us going through time and doing two things constantly being connected to him fear of God again fear of God is not fear of punishment you know it's fear of losing touch with God it's 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 all it's something deep it's not it's not I'm not frightened by anything I'm afraid of forgetting about God that's the the Hasidic explanation for what fear of God is so he wants us to experience this connection to God this awe being in awe from God each and every moment and also he wants us to collect all the holy sparks that exist in every moment if you're like Esav or Pharaoh and God is rushing them through everything he gives them a harder an easier time everything happens quickly for them and we're jealous of them why is it Pharaoh has everything happens so quickly for him and I have to wait all these years and he's so successful <coughs> sorry he's so successful immediately he is not expected to feel connected to God in every moment to create the spoke and he doesn't have to collect the sparks it's, it's so that's why everything so happens so quickly and why does it happen so slowly for you because you have to collect you go through life more slowly because at every step there's a little diamond waiting in the sand for you to discover and pick up and then be grateful for God for this diamond so this is the, the connection that as you're 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 feeding that you're spending all this time in the this what should be something very temporary and transient should go through quickly but I feel set back by yeshev by yeshev it's I, I have to settle and settle and same wait more time why do I take this time because each moment I have to look downwards and find the diamond and I have to look upwards and saying thank you God for letting me find this diamond or vice versa you look up to God where is the diamond of this moment and And then and then you look down and then you find the diamond or you don't but at least you're looking for it and which is part of the thing so so this is the the main idea it starts with Yaakov as the Maggid says but it goes on is this challenge or this uh, uh, mission of of experiencing long decades long setbacks and before your true essence is revealed to the world before you are acknowledged by your siblings before you can come out of all the pits and prisons and the trials and tribulations and and be reunited with your your loved father and be reunited with your brother and your other brothers and all of it takes all this time is because there's a there are the sparks to be gathered all along the path and because you're expected to constantly create connection with God as you're going through this time and it's really a display of, of uh, that God values you that God appreciates you that God thinks highly of you that he he sets you back it means he thinks you're Yosef and not Pharaoh if he would think that you're Pharaoh, He wouldn't care about all the diamonds you can pick up and the connection you're creating and he would give it everything would happen in an instant but because God thinks highly of you and he thinks you can do a lot of things during that time that he gives you and he also knows that you're connected to something timeless so you can bear the burden of time someone who does isn't connected to the timeless can't bear the burden so he's not given the burden as much as you are. 
you're given the burden because God trusts you to be able to connect to something totally timeless, to go up that ladder and be the Mashiach, or be connected to the spark of Mashiach within you, for whom it's above time. Every moment he's born, every moment is the beginning of the world, the end of the world, it's all now. And then you can, uh, you can go through time and, and it's, it's not, uh, you're not suffering. You're a slave of God and you're really free. You're also free of time. I promised that we go into the last two lines of the poem of Rabbi Yudah Levi. So the last two lines are, as every human asks God for his part in the world, he says, my part God says my soul. And I'm going to say this very quickly. The word part in Hebrew is also a unit of time, chilek. Chilek is, according to the sages, the atomic instant of time. It's really three seconds and a third of a second translated into modern clock time. But according to Chazal, this is the, this is the atomic instant, the, the, the tiniest uh, particle of time. So the idea is that I want my share, my chilek, my part of godliness, you can find it now, in each and every instant. Chilki Hashem Mranafshi, my soul asks God, I want my share and I want it now. <laughs> I want it all and I want it now, and you can have it now. In an instant, in a fraction of an instant, you can have your share, your connection with God.